I too believe that no person, no individual has the right to push their views on someone else. But El Shaddai, God Almighty, does. here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in, and I trust as always that the Lord's just going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. I'm in the process of wrapping up a teaching that we began several weeks ago, one that we've titled, Be Careful Without Turning. In this particular segment, we're talking about relativism. Now, you may not have any idea what that is, but basically it is this. There's no such thing as absolute truth because every individual makes up their own mind about what truth is. In other words, truth comes out of the individual. I'm here to help you understand that that's not where truth comes from. Truth comes from the source of all truth. All truth is from God. The Bible, I believe, is the Word of God, and that is God's truth to us. Beloved, it's very, very important that we have a standard. As time goes on, if it's left up to each individual, then we're going to end up with exactly what we have today, a big old mess. But if we come back to God's Word, which is the standard of truth, then that can begin to bring us all together in the power of the Spirit so that we might achieve what we think we're trying to achieve by doing our own thing. <laughs> the text passage for this particular part of the series is John chapter 17, and we'll close out with that a little bit later on in the program. Right now, I want to go to an Old Testament passage and just kind of set the groundwork here as we get into this. I encourage you to keep your Bibles handy and follow along as we teach you. Going over into the Old Testament book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 23 and verse number 19. And the record puts it this way, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Boy, those are some powerful, powerful questions. We're going to take a look at that as we unpack this with you this particular session. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's turned on this telecast by whatever means, whether they're listening live to WBTW or following up later on uh, through some form, some facet of social media. Lord, your word remains true, and I pray that it is, as it is sent forth, that it would accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. Bring lost souls to yourself as they trust the truth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. believed from the time I was just a little puppy that it is God's word and it is the truth. Now, 
since becoming an adult, and some of you still question that, I have read it, studied it for myself, and experientially I can tell you that the Bible is the Word of God. I believe that. I told you all of that to tell you this. It sort of blows my mind just a little bit when I realize and I encounter folks that do not believe that it is the Word of God and that it is true. Messes with my head just a little bit. So I have to ask myself, why? Why do people reject the Word of God as the absolute truth? And you know, Paul told Timothy a little bit about that. Go with me over to Timothy. First Timothy, first letter, chapter 4, verse 1. It'd be real easy to gloss right over this. But Paul says to Timothy, the Spirit, somebody tell me something about Spirit. It's capitalized. He's talking about Holy Spirit, the one that indwells the believer. The Holy Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow, look at this, deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That is the long and the short of what's going on here. These are persons who have abandoned the faith, obviously, and they're following after. Many of them do not even realize it, and they will argue with you about it, but they are following deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. But Pastor Terry, how does this play out? Here's my little attempt to help you with this. There are many behaviors that were considered right and wrong just a few years ago. Many behaviors just a few years ago. And these truths were passed from generation to generation without, uh, with not a whole lot of questions, if you please. Even for those back in the day, even for those who chose to engage wrong, they would still admit that their actions were indeed wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? I know I'm not doing right. I know I'm not doing right. I know this is not right. I know I'm doing wrong, but my parents raised me right, but my parents raised me in the church, but what happened to right and wrong? What in the world happened to right and wrong? Let me go to Jay Wallace, Jay Warner, Wallace is Jim Warner Wallace. He is a forensic scientist. He makes a living going about unmasking evidence to discover truth. He's a fanatic of truth, a truth fanatic. And he, he wrote a book called Cold Case Christianity. It's a great read. I'm kind of into forensic science. I think it's just the coolest thing ever. And he wrote that, and I'm quoting him just a little bit here. He says this, Many of our young adults have been taught in colleges, universities, and through movies, television, and books. That's what he said. I'm adding and from their daddy, that objective truth does not exist or simply cannot be known. He continues on, as a result, relativism, there's that word, is a common feature in our cultural worldview. 
People are less and less comfortable accepting that one particular version of the truth is exclusively correct. In fact, many believe that such a view of truth is arrogant and narrow-minded, end quote. Long before I discovered Mr. Wallace, someone as one of my literary mentors, Josh McDowell, who was a bit of a, an apologist himself, Josh McDowell, and a fellow by the name of Hostetler, Bob Hostetler, wrote a book. This was back in 1998, 24-some-odd years ago. The title of the book was The New Tolerance. It's 24 years old. The New Tolerance. It was subtitled, How a Cultural Movement Threatens to Destroy You, Your Faith, and Your Children. It's amazing how prophetic that little volume was and is. McDowell and Hostetler used the fictional Star Trek characters, the Borg. Are you familiar with those made-up characters? They kind of played off of them. They did that to illustrate their point. And in, their, in the, the early chapters of the book, they cite Mr. Webster of Webster's Dictionary. Now, let me just say as an aside, you need to watch the dictionaries nowadays. If you use online dictionaries, can you be encouraged when you start studying some of these issues to go back and look at the old copies that you have at home and compare them to the new online versions? They cited Webster, and Webster defines the old standard of tolerate. You understand tolerate? They de define the old word tolerate as to recognize and respect others' beliefs, practices, etc., without sharing them, and to bear or put up with someone or something not especially liked. End quote. In his book, The Primer to Postmodernism, a fellow by the name of Stanley Greens or Greens, G R E N Z points out the new tolerance that McDowell and Hostetler wrote about is based on the unbiblical truth that, or the unbiblical belief that, truth is relative to the community in which a person participates. And since there are many human communities, there are necessarily many different truths, end quote. McDowell summarizes all of this. What every individual believes or says is equally right according to the new tolerance. Equally valid. So not only does everyone have an equal right to his beliefs, but all beliefs are equal. All values are equal. All lifestyles are equal. All truth claims are equal. Look at your neighbor and go, eh. Here's the long and the short of it. All of this can be distilled into what our contemporary culture refers to as their value system or their world view or their filter. By and large, it's based upon, watch this, subjective, that just means personal opinions. And if, and I'm headed to number six on your study notes, we're winding down here. Hang on, I'm going to close so quick, it'll make your head swim. Beloved, if truth is determined by subjective opinion, by personal opinion, 
then there's no problem with using one's feelings, one's personal feelings, to establish a foundation or a view for their life. However, would you underline however two or three times on your study notes? Listen to me, new life. That's not exactly how truth is established. And you've got to understand that I know even my saying this in public makes me a meanie. Mean old preacher. Meanie, meanie. It makes me a bigot, which rhymes with spigot. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's one of them things. It makes me even worse in the minds of those who are purported to be in the know in our contemporary world. One of the key sticking points in this incredible line of reasoning is that one person, one person has no right to force their values or their beliefs on other persons. And you may be shocked to realize, but I am telling you, I am in total agreement with that. I too believe that no person, no individual has the right to push their views on someone else. But El Shaddai, God Almighty, does. These Bible critics are not only suppressing the truth, sweeping it under the rug, but much more they're denying that truth even exists. In other words, there's no such thing as truth. Do you understand how insanely irrational that is? It's, it's, I've been using the word insanity a lot over the last two years. I'm trying to invent a new word because insanity doesn't describe it these days. Insanity is way down here. What we're dealing with today is insanicredulous or something. I don't know. It's just unbelievable. But many of the most brilliant minds of our age adhere to it. I spoke of this last week. Intelligent persons using their intelligence unintelligently to contradict God's truth. Truly an intelligent fool. Well, how should we deal with these folks, Pastor Terry? How should we deal with them? Same as I shared with you last week, there's three things I want you to catch this. Understand the truth and embrace this truth. Understand the truth. There's still no substitute for word intake. Get it in there some way or another. Understand the truth. Stand under or on. Allow the word to undergird you and be encouraged to speak forth the truth so often today we see things happen we say i'm not going to get involved listen we need to be involved because we can help people we have what they need we have what they're looking for and many of them don't even know it let the word of god protect you in situations which look dangerous let the holy spirit guide you and let the holy spirit deliver you listen to romans chapter 12 and i found this in the word of god romans 12 and verse 16 live in harmony with one another do not be proud 
But be willing to associate with people of low position, those that may be beneath you socially, civilly, and on and on and on. He says, do not be conceited. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do, look at this, what is right in the eyes of everybody. And that doesn't mean the right that everybody thinks is right. That's not what he's saying is be careful to do what is right before or in the presence of everyone. He's already made very clear that his word is right. Verse 18, I love this. I heard a preacher preach on this when I was just a teenage Christian. And it really impacted me. And it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You understand there are some people that will not allow you to live at peace with them? But see, we don't need to be the one to blame in that by pointing our long bony fingers and screaming and foaming at the mouth and all that kind of stuff. We continue to compassionately but boldly, confidently go forth with this word that is, will accomplish its purpose and we share it with them and we live at peace as much as possible. That's how we deal with these folks. Can you be warned? Those that do not accept that this is the truth, the word of God, they do not play fair. They do not play fair. We're seeing that lived out. I have to tell you this because it's true. We're seeing this played out in the political arena in our country today. It's just destroying our country. Do you guys remember when they had just good old-fashioned mud slinging? One candidate said, I don't like that guy because he parts his hair in the middle or whatever. Well, would to God those days would come back. It's not that way anymore. It's just blatant, flat-out, bona fide Provable lies being told one on the other. They don't play fair. Our calling as followers of Christ is to seek out those living in sin prayerfully, strategically, sow the word of God into their life in order for that word to perform surgery on their spirit. I said to you last week that Hebrews compares the word of God to a double-edged sword. It cuts going in and it cuts coming out. And it is intended to cut away those things that will harm us spiritually. And listen, beloved, when we engage or we involve ourselves in that process, that process process is often very painful for the one undergoing it and all of us know about that if you're born again and spirit filled because in some manner we have been there done that God has cut things out of my life that didn't feel too good at the time so it can be very painful and it can be messy and laboriously time consuming number seven on your notes what makes the word of God truth First of all, and this sounds so simplistic, God makes the word of God truth. If there is a God, I have no problem believing that he could inspire a written word. He did. God is proof. Listen to Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not human, hallelujah, that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Which leads me to the second thing. How can we know that the word of God, what proves the word of God, what makes it true, results 
for me, this was the thing that kind of settled the issue. There are prophecies stated under the Old Covenant. The overwhelming majority of those prophecies have been revealed or fulfilled. The ones that are yet to be fulfilled give me great anticipation. If God tells me over and over and over that something's going to happen, and over and over and over it does, and there are some things that haven't happened yet, it gives me great courage to know that just stay tuned. Stay tuned. This is not on your notes. It comes to me kind of after the notes. But this kind of summarizes a lot of what we've talked about this morning. One of the things that makes the Word of God true is it does convict. It's amazing. It does convict. It gets the attention of the conscience of mankind. Jesus was foretold in the Old Testament. Are you aware of that? It's an absolute fact of history that He lived and that He died and that He was resurrected to newness of life. That gives me great hope that he is returning and that this record that we know as the Bible, the Word of God, is indeed God's Word and thus God's truth. And I trust that you'll embrace that as well. Now, let me close with this, beloved. My purpose here, my purpose in this series is to put courage into you to stand on the Word of God. My purpose is for you not to let the negative naysayers blur your focus or prompt and influence your drifting. Go with me again to our text passage. I'm not going to elaborate on this. My prayer is that the Word of God would impact your spirit with this. But listen again to what John says. Verse 17, verse four, uh, chapter 17, verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Draw them out. Set them aside. Establish them wholly by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Pray with me. Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there. Let me say this. Let me reiterate this to you, something we spoke right at the end of the message. It is an absolute fact of history, a fact of history, that Jesus Christ was a real-life person that walked on the earth. He walked. He talked. He was crucified, a fact of history. He was resurrected, fact of history. Go back, research that. You'll find out that it is very true. And here's something else. He is coming back. We tell you at the close of this program, week in and week out, that Jesus is coming back. It's true. And that gives me great courage and great hope to know that the Bible, which is the Word of God, which 
prophesies all of these things and we see it come into fruition and then promises some additional things in terms of our eternal life. It gives me great hope to know that that is true. I trust that you have accepted the truth of God's Word as it is the truth and you have applied it to your life. Listen, we come into this world with a problem, a sin problem, and if we don't do something before we leave this world, to take care of that problem, then we're going to spend eternity separated from God, a place that the Bible describes as hell, a place of everlasting damnation. Wow, what a horror that is. But just think about this. We can know God or come to, uh, into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We can be born again, born anew, experience a spiritual birth, have eternal life, a blessed life in this present existence, and then go to be with God for all eternity. What a promise. Have you taken advantage of that promise? The Bible says that whosoever will may come. I believe that it means just exactly what it says. And as God draws by His Holy Spirit, those who put their trust and their faith in this truth can know God and be in relationship with God. I trust that's you. It's as simple as confessing your sins, admitting you're a sinner, repenting of your sins, purposing in your heart and mind that you're going to turn around and go another direction. You open up your heart's door and invite Jesus to come in and you believe that He'll do just what He said He will do. Pastor Terry, it couldn't be that simple. Well, it is that simple. Now, it's not easy to do. If it was, everybody would be just falling all over themselves to do it. Here's the kicker. Most of us want to do our own thing. We want to establish our own truth. We even want to establish our own definition of God. But the Bible is clear about all of that. And it boils down to this. You either accept it or you don't. I know that that's blunt. I know it sounds dogmatic in today's world, but it's the truth, beloved. And that's what I'm called to put before you, the truth of God's Word. I trust you'll accept it. Father, I pray for each one listening in right now. If they have not purpose to establish a relationship with you through Jesus, I trust that they would confess their sins right now, repent of those sins, open up their heart's door, and trust you to come in to wash away all that sin and to fill them with your Spirit, to make them new inside. Help them, Lord, in the power of the Spirit to believe that you have done what you said you would do in their life if they simply put their faith and trust in you. We pray, we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Beloved, if you prayed that prayer, you've made a decision for Christ, as uh, the saying goes. We'd love to hear from you. There's some contact information there on the screen, and, and people are contacting us all the time through this medium, and uh, we would love to respond to you myself or someone will respond to you. If you have some questions, some concerns, you want more information, give us a call. Now listen, I'm not talking about uh, debating and arguing and all of that kind of stuff, and you can do that if you like. You can uh, contact us with your arguments, but you're not likely to get much of a response out of that. But if you have some legit questions and you're really intent, uh, really intentional, about finding God's purpose and plan for your life, then I'm telling you, I'm all over that and we'll do everything we can to help you 
in that regard. I do want to remind you before we get out of here that New Life has a regular schedule of activity Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, our primary worship celebration. What you hear on New Life Telecast, that's what we do on Sunday morning. We also have midweek activities. Our small groups meet, and boy, what a great time that is uh, during the middle of the week. Uh, we'd love for you to get involved in that. If you do not have a place where you regularly normally worship and fellowship with God's people, New Life might be just exactly what you're looking for. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church. According to the old clock on the wall, my time is completely gone. God bless you. Have a great week. And remember, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you? God